2: Okay, welcome back to our CIS podcast, Cybersecurity Where You Are, where we spend some time talking about events of the day and try to do it in a way that's accessible, interesting, uh, fun, but also uh, understandable to, to all of the rest of us out here who don't live and breathe this uh, minute by minute. So today uh, I'm joined by my co-host, uh, Sean Atkinson. Sean, welcome back.
0: Thank you, Tony. Yeah, and
2: our special guest today, Stacey Wright, CIS alumni, but currently with the Cybercrime Support Network. Hello, Stacey.
1: Hi Tony, hi Sean. It's great to see you guys again.
2: Yeah, our pleasure. And uh, yeah, when we said we get to talk to interesting people, we're not kidding when we get to Stacey on the line here. So it's wonderful to see you again. So for today's topic, we're gonna to talk about, uh, you know, there's, there's some world events that uh, always ripple into the cybersecurity world. And obviously today's is the serious business of the Ukraine and what's happening over there. But uh, you know, it's, um, it's not an exception. We see similar things for every world event, every holiday, everything that's going on, and it's part of the rising uh, tide of all this activity that just affects us daily. So we want to talk a little bit about this, this, the pace and the tempo of these kinds of things. That is, for every sort of event that's newsworthy, we, we get this flood of uh, problems that we all have to deal with. And we deal with it, you know, both as... Um, Members of a computing enterprise, you know, as as businesses, but also in terms of the role that CIS plays, and uh, including our partners, uh, the Cybercrime Support Network. So, so we'll just kind of wander into some of these topics and see where we go, and and talk about that. Uh, for background, actually, Stacy, could you tell us a little bit about where you've been? Because you've had a fascinating career, and this is a way of life for you, I know.
1: It is indeed a way of life for me. I am lucky. I've had one of those careers where the next best opportunity just kind of fell into my lap. So I started in IT back in Cambridge, Massachusetts and public safety because I've always had an interest in helping people. Spent quite a few years there and then spent some time with the FBI and working cybercrime with the FBI right as financial cybercrime was starting to become a thing. And then I moved to CIS and got to build an intelligence team and work with fascinating people like the two of you and learn a lot. And now I'm at the Cybercrime Support Network helping individuals and small businesses who are impacted by cybercrime. So definitely something I've fallen into the area in which I love to work and get the chance to really help people.
2: Yeah, a great story. You know, we we think a lot about sort of career development and planning, but I, I feel like my career is like yours. These things kind of happened, right? And the right opportunity uh, popped open. And part of you know, part of planning is to be ready for the unexpected when the when the opportunity drops in your door. So I think that's a you know, a, a both uh, a true and noble in the way that happens. But so for the you know, one of the things I've always really appreciated about the cyber. Crime Support Network is the focus on victims, you know, especially on the individuals, on small businesses. So what do you see in today that reflects the current events of the world? Anything hot on your radar?
1: Absolutely. So we're focusing a lot on individuals right now with the current events, because there are unfortunately a large number of scams targeting individuals related to the crisis in the Ukraine, tax day, because soon our taxes are going to be due. But even well, that's things a painful like, reminder.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know, I've got to finish mine too. Um, oh. Things like rising prices and gas, the cost of gas has made it into the scam world. So, really, it's a lot of anything that comes out of the headlines can become a cyber scam and we're trying to do our best to make people aware of it, but also help them get to the resources they need to recover so it doesn't happen to them again and they can get back to where they should be.
2: Boy, that's a yeah. You know, I hadn't thought about some of those, those issues that you raised, Stacey, Because I, you know, I'm a, old enough to remember the gas lines of the '70s, right? <laughs> Trying to get to work and, and and waiting to get whatever the allocation of gas they would let us have at that. Epoch. And I thought, my gosh, I hope I never see that again in my lifetime. But you know, sure enough, we had at least a, br- a brief burst of that, both in the uh, colonial pipeline business, but also the you know the current pricing and the, uh, the effect of, of uh, current events. Uh, Sean, what are we seeing actually at, at CIS? So you get to see this both as you know, Security Wizard, but also as uh, CISO for a uh, interesting company.
0: Yeah, you know, it's the same thing. It, it's, um, you know, we mentioned that uh, our careers are opportunities that fell into our lap, and these events are opportunities that fall into the laps uh, of the persons that wanna do nefarious things. So we're seeing exactly the same thing. Is it's this alerting, this emergency? You know, I I, I get that so much through our own program. Is the call to action, the immediacy? Is you know, f- leave all of that consciousness in terms of logical approach. This is an emergency. You've got to you know attack this particular element. And it's it's that underlying fear. I think, Stacy, that that's you know part of that victimology is, oh, I have to respond. You know, obviously taxes and. Again, I'm going to admit, and Stacy was here for this. I used um, I used Texas as a uh, an element of our fishing exercise, and you know that got some uh, that got some good hits. So uh, I was not um,
1: one of those. It's <laughs> you, <laughs> you did not get me not, on that no, one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have failed to catch you. <laughs> but it, it's those types of elements, Tony. That um, you know we still see, and this is the thing. And Stacy, I'd love to get your thoughts as well the same tactics the same approach still works and it's so hard to get beyond this point of we want to make progress but we're we're still seeing that you know it's the same old tactics it's the same old uh, capabilities that work and obviously, given di- the dynamics of uh, modern society, it just uh, feeds that beast, as it were. Is that right, Stacy? What are your
1: thoughts? It is. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. A lot of the tactics I see are very similar to the types of things that happen on television commercials. So these are truly tactics that have been around for decades. And that is because they still work. And I'd love to stress, you don't have to be gullible. There is absolutely no reason why anybody couldn't fall for one of these because, like you said, Sean, they are pushing you to make a decision quickly, to do something urgently, and they're feeding into our social collective to do things that we want to do anyway. So, they're giving us an easy choice and we want to make the right choice. and for most of us, help other people. And these are cases where they're trying to let us do that. They just, well, we're only helping the scammers as opposed to the people we think we're helping.
0: Exactly, exactly, and it's that premise it's that underlying motivation um, that is is the key right and we we try and do uh, awareness exercises uh, and things of that nature, but it, it's uh, like you say, none of us are impenetrable to these types of attacks. There's going to be something that tugs on the heartstring or that oh I'm going to make this decision very quickly, oh, I can't believe I just did that you know and you come back and you know you do that um, that hindsight 2020 and it's oh yeah. Totally should have seen that. I'm in a rush, you know, given modern life, I you know, I right. there's never a, a time where I'm not busy in most cases, you know, a little bit dramatic there, Stacey, but um, it, it forces you to make those types of decisions. So that's, you know, Tony, in a lot of cases, that's what I see uh, both, uh, you know, from the organization and also working with others in the community.
1: Little bit of science here. It actually ties in. There is something called a loss aversion bias, what it basically means is we are more afraid of losing an opportunity than of gaining one. So I am more challenged by the idea of losing $20 than I would be of winning it. I am more likely to do something to avoid me losing that money than I am to buy a lottery ticket. That's just how one of those biases that makes us as humans work. The other thing is we end up doing uh, phantom fixation. So basically you are offered something that's too good to be true, and we've all heard that phrase, but even if it's just something that isn't too good to be true, but it's something that we want, this phantom fixation says that we are compelled To go after it and it leads us to abandon our good judgment in some ways so if you've ever been that person on a website you're like I know this isn't in my budget but I really want it and it becomes harder and harder not to spend the money that's what the scammers are pulling on too is that phantom fixation of we want to do it and sometimes want overcomes our good sense
2: yeah, Stacey, you 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 touch on something that has always troubled me about this business. Uh, you know, this the notion of victim blaming. Let me just go kind of right at it. That is, you know, they um the one data point I have, my, my son is a, a police officer in a, in a local county here in Maryland. And he so he deals with this and occasionally takes the the reports or whatever, but he, he's you know, he's a very clever young man. But he said, you know, people don't realize the scammers are professionals. This is what they do. Right, mm-hmm. so they they ha- they have a sense of the motivation, and he said that the key was they know how to keep you on the line, right? Raise a sense of urgency, prevent you from going to the sources that you trust, right? To say, well, let me get back to you, let me talk this over with my, you know, they're masters at keeping you on the line there, and so, and and this is you know this is as old as human interaction, right? So they're they're playing to, you know, our fears, our wants, and all those great things that you mentioned there, and so. Yes, we we want to raise the awareness of people and it's important, but we're not going to solve the problem by this. Right. And we're not going to make any progress by blaming people for being humans. I mean, that's that just seems like it's counter, you know, counter to progress. So we we have to think of, uh, you know, making people aware not as a separate thing, but in parallel with uh, providing the technology that makes it hard for them to make bad choices and easier to make good choices. I think that's the way I've tried to to think of this problem. and, and but you know victim blaming, and we still say, I cringe whenever I see a a topic of a talk or a blog, you know uh, we have to stop stupid. You know, we've got to uh, stop these stupid user tricks. I, I know very senior people in government who who still say things like that, and I go, you know,
1: that is not
2: going to help us uh, win any hearts and minds and make any progress.
1: And I think you make a really good point. This is literally their day job. Folks who are involved in a lot of these scams are spending 12 hours a day doing exactly this calling person after person, sending email after email. And when they get that one response, then they keep going with that one. But if they get one response a day and this is their day job, they're getting 300 responses a year. So that gives them a lot of practice in figuring out how to talk to people, how to tell us what we want to hear.
2: Yeah. And, you know, we, we tend to associate the, uh, you know, so both, Stacey, you're young, but you're old enough to remember the, you know, the really crude email scams of the early days, right? The Nigerian princes and Bill Gates wants to send you a big check and all those kind of things, and and you know, we laugh at those, and you still see them bouncing around or the modern equivalent. But you know the the good criminal uh, is actually much more nuanced and uh, careful in their planning. And Sean, I know you've seen some scams that are kind of that sort of hit our company that are eye opening, right? They 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 reference you know uh, senior people and issues that we would care about. Any of those kind of things that have uh, crossed our desk recently?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, you get obviously, you know, from the CEO looking for, you know, your phone number, I need an emergency, I need to contact you immediately. And uh, the one thing uh, that I will reflect on is the capability of both from a social engineering perspective, but the open source intelligence, a lot of this information we're providing for free, and they're using it to their, um, you know, to their benefit, and they can then craft and tailor really sophisticated elements you know it's not prince of nigeria anymore but it's somebody you know uh, because they're you know connected to you in some form of social uh, element and i'm going to use that to target you you know you've seen that through um i know a, a number of our employees receive that um you know looking like someone it's a relative that needs help and they're you know they kind of reach out and say what should i do in this space you know um and, you know you walk them through and you try and educate uh, and again I think it's a very important element that you mentioned Tony is this victim blaming is that there is no blame you know that th- this is um, this is where it's an opportunity to uh, enlighten and provide uh, advisory provide awareness training and really support you know people in this space and again you know I mentioned my fishing exercises and none of that is done to really um, identify a person as a weakness no it's it's to done to reinforce i just want you to be aware this is how easy it could be and i need your due diligence i just want you to pay attention to what we're doing here because every you know that single click and and stacy we've talked about this before you know you talk about an underlying weakness within infrastructure within an organization and all you can do you know is put together these best practices and and really ultimately it is practice that's what the phishing awareness campaigns are I want you to identify these. I want you to see these types of elements because I don't want the first time you see these to be from the adversary. I'd want it to be me. And so I can walk through this and, and tailor the education uh, around that. Uh, Stacy, how do you feel about that?
1: Very much the same way. I am really supportive. Don't blame the victim because there's a good chance all of us will be those victims someday. Something will get through. I may not have your phishing emails coming at me anymore, but I do have someone here at CSN who keeps trying to trick me. So it's sure. <laughs> it's going to happen. Um, I think what you mentioned, though, is critically important that you're caught up in the moment. So if we can talk people through and understand that you posted to social media last night where you had dinner or you have friended people within your family. So it's very easy for someone to take five minutes, 10 minutes, figure out where you work, figure out your phone number, and discover who is in your family that they could use as a scam to, like the grandparent scam you were talking about where They will very often call and the scammers say that they are the grandson or the granddaughter or whomever and they need money because they're in a horrible situation. So those kinds of things really feed into who we are. We forget we posted that information on social media. We don't think about it in the urgency of the moment. And if we can take the training to folks and help folks understand that you are sharing this information out there, This is an easy way to help people maybe learn from things before they get scammed, if you will. Get to that point where they at least stop, slow down a little bit and think something through before they respond in the moment.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's right. And uh, you know, Sean's advice, right? You we, we want to sort of be be triggered to be thinking before you have to. You know, you find yourself in that situation. So I, I, I have to admit, I think I've, I think I did fall for one of your fishing exercises, uh, Sean. Uh, and it, but it, you caught me at this perfect moment where I was, ex- and I forget the, the the context, but I was kind of expecting a, a note from something or somebody or about something, you know. And this thing appears, and I'm in a hurry, and I click on it, and like. Uh uh oh. <laughs> but then I thought, doggone Sean, he must be spying on me, because somehow he knew I was waiting for this. I'm not I'm not, by the way, just joking. But it was you know, it's an example of this this serendipity of the moment, right? I'm I'm busy, I'm waiting. Something some word in the title or something triggered this immediacy and this urgency, and I've got, you know, three literally, three to five hundred other things in my inbox. So I'm thinking, oh, one I can get rid of in a hurry. And boy, that is that is human, right? That's how we live our lives. And so, again, the, the clever criminal has that, has done that kind of open source research. And uh, as Stacy said, this is not about like big time, you know, nation state uh, intelligence gathering. This is about sort of where you are, who you talk to, the role you have in a company, and all those sort of just routine mundane things we're happy to share about our lives. You know, and we're not, the goal is not to make people paranoid, but to help them understand the context, right? That they're, you know, they're evil people that mean you, you know, you are you you represent nothing more than a victim to them, a source of income or whatever their, their motivation happens to be. Let's come back, Stacey. So you mentioned one of my favorite calendar things, tax time, but that means there's a whole calendar of these, right? Holidays, um, you know, national celebrations. And, and is this just a cycle of things? So you've got things you deal with every year or that you see reflected in the victimization?
1: Absolutely. Uh, Valentine's Day, February 14th, is definitely a big one. Everybody gets through New Year's and unfortunately lately more people have been spending New Year's alone because you couldn't have the big parties And you realize that you're missing something in your life. You're missing somebody to share it with So you're on the dating apps. You're going to meet somebody It's the perfect time for romance scams to get triggered for exactly that reason People are more inclined to want to meet somebody, want to do this, it's that perfect moment. So February for romance scams, we see tax scams very often in March and April, although they start as early as January. We see back to school scams. So there are scams about sending things like a care package to your student who's at college for the first time, or getting school supplies for cheap. There are scams that target students specifically who are going back to school, and especially students who are going back to school away from home for the first time. So yeah, it's almost like they have a calendar and it says, on this day, start this scam. I know it's not quite that bad, but it happens. We know that these scams are gonna pop up at certain times every year.
2: Yeah, I I know what you mean. I think uh, so. You know, and so I have to ask you because you know because you have experience looking at this from law enforcement too. But at least when I was in the the Defense Department, I had this feeling like these people are just messing with us. It's Friday afternoon on Fourth of July weekend or something, right? And all of a sudden, this garbage comes flying into the Defense Department, right? Because I know everyone's heading out early. No one wants to come into work, and it just turns out to be you know independent of the the objective it was almost like they're messing with us to force people to, to disrupt their lives and force companies to pay overtime and so forth. Does that, that resonate with your time back in law enforcement?
1: It certainly resonates, but I don't think they were messing with us. I think they were doing what you said earlier with that phishing attempt from Sean. They time things to be that moment that we are trying to get out of the office for a long weekend because we're paying less attention. We are trying to to do 20 other things at the same moment. And there's the additional factor that when you get into transfer of money, if you're going into a long weekend, it can be a lot harder to pull it back. So you transfer money on a Friday afternoon, but then it's a long weekend and the banks are closed and everybody else you need to contact really isn't around, even if you realize it before you get back back in the office on Tuesday. There's a 72-hour window where it is much easier to get money back, to recall it from wherever it has gone. And a long weekend means you're past that 72 hours.
2: Yeah, it's a great observation. You know, we used to think about that a lot in the early days of, you know, in some sense, it was really clear from watching, uh, you know, other nations, sort of the tactics, that they knew things like laws and they were aware of extradition and, and friendly, unfriendly countries and kind of manipulated their paths to take advantage of exactly that, right? So this is part of you know planning and reconnaissance. This is what professionals do, and so I think that's you know that's exactly right. Uh, so so as we ramp up for these these things, uh, Sean. So in terms of the enterprise that we have here at CIS, right? Do you do do you do special things to ramp up for the things that you know are coming on the holiday or or to world events? What what are the or or is this sort of uh, just part of the yeah thing to you?
0: In, in a lot of cases, it's part of the deal, Tony. You know, we know it's going to be the Friday afternoon issue um, because it always is, right? It's always when, um, you know, you're um, either looking at a long weekend or even just the weekend in a lot of cases. It, it always seems that Friday afternoon issue. And, you know, it, it, it is the messing with you uh, in the perspective of I know the exact time that my can increase the probability of a click. Because that's all part of my tailored program in order to get and the most number of clicks. Means you know revenue, profit, whatever it, it means to me, right? And so that element then um, really for us is um, you know around Christmas time, New Year's obviously is huge. That that's the really the biggest time we see. This is on calendars of uh, these attackers. You know, this is what's coming up in these times. And again, you've got to think that the attackers are not necessarily in the same country, but understand your calendar... Uh, Because they may work with, you know, different calendars, different holidays, and things of that nature. It always reminds me, and I use this analogy sometimes when I talk about this, it's the candy aisle in the CVS or or a particular store, right? It changes, you know, three months before Halloween, there is candy there. And you know that the scammers are doing the exact same thing. Halloween's coming up. This is this uh, element here, you know... Uh, New Year's Valentine's Day, I think is even, the, the best uh, actually uh, Stacy that you provide. Uh, as your example is yep, you know, the candy's there in January. It, it's we're ramping up already. It, it's always that preparation. And so that's where you know, there is heightened elements over time. Uh, but Tony, with within the enterprise, it's um, I guess we're kind of used to it now. It, it's uh, you know, you know it's going to be in the afternoon on a Friday, long weekend, holidays, the big holidays, definitely.
2: No, and it's so, um, you know, when, and when you were describing like the planning of the, of bad guys, right. And the calendars and all that, you know, what, and the, and the maximizing number of clicks, I'm thinking, well, this is business intelligence, right? This is marketing analysis. This is what I always said, uh, by the way, if you want to, um, really see capitalism at work in cyber, don't study the good guys, study the bad guys. You know, they're, it's very Darwinian. It's very aimed at efficiency. You see the natural, um, Sort of partitioning of the, you know, hey, here's the tool builders, here's the reconnaissance people, here's the money mules, you know, all this. It's almost watching capitalism in action, right? And it's really, uh, and only the strong can survive in that, though, in that also. But it's not fun to deal with it on the other end. But, you know, Stacey, you see a lot of this, but, you know, the, the kind of ramping up that Sean talks about, that's enterprise thinking, right? And we're a security company, so we think a lot about that. But, you know, for you, a lot of your constituency are really individuals or very small businesses that, for them, ramping up, I'm not sure that has a lot of meaning, at least not in a technical sense. But what what do you do or what are you seeing around this cycle of events that, that is just coming all the time?
1: So that's the thing. It's coming all the time. It may look different for individuals with romance scams, on Valentine's Day. But that romance scam might turn into a money meal scam. So it it progresses and evolves and it may be the same scam that is behind everything but the wording changes. It follows the holidays. At Christmas it's one set of wording, New Year's it's another, at Valentine's Day it's another, but it's the same basic technique behind everything. So a lot of this is about educating people, not to the specific wording, but to what to look for, what to pay attention when your gut says, you know what, something's wrong here. And there are enormous resources out there. Obviously, Cybercrime Support Network, but FTC does it, IC3, the Internet Crime Complaint Center that partners with the FBI, Attorney General in every state publishes alerts local police departments publish alerts so there are a lot of people trying to get the word out to help people understand it before that scam shows up in their email inbox or their website or whatever
2: yeah i was going to ask you that so thanks for addressing that cuz you know those are all great sources and a shameless plug for the work that you're doing at CSN that i I tell people the start the, uh, the an excellent starting point is to uh, go to some of the, the uh, resources that you guys provide that will give you a chance to uh, offer your own shameless plug and we'll, we'll provide links in the in the show summary. But, uh, you know, and it's been kind of the history of computer security. Right. There, there are great resources out there, but most people don't have the ability or the time or the knowledge to go find them and to make sense of them. So, you know, having a trusted starting point and again, plug for you guys and your work there uh, is a really important thing because you can't you're not going to read them all. You're going to start somewhere. So go ahead, Stacey.
1: If I can take that a little further. It's the same thing outside of cyber, too. If your house is damaged because a tree falls on it during a windstorm, I can tell you that I wouldn't know where to start. I had a flat tire earlier this week, truly Wednesday night this week, and it took me a couple of minutes of stopping to think and saying, okay, I don't have AAA. Who can I call to change my tire late at night on a rainy evening and do it safely. And so there's that immediate reaction for everything that happens in your life that is a little bit out of the norm where you have to stop, slow down, think, think it through to figure out how you're going to react to it in the best manner. So it's not just cyber, it's everything.
2: All right. So this is part of uh, managing our risky lives, I guess. Uh, yeah. You know, soup, soup to but, you know, I think part of this is that so we have in most of the risks of our lives, you know, sort of general lives. Right. We have kind of intuition. Uh, you know, we have sort of decision intuition. Right. We, we know when things don't seem quite right, maybe in terms of safety. Yes. Or you, you go to a restaurant, and you see, you know, signs of uncleanliness and sloppiness. And, you know, your, your radar goes up or, you know, you see a car and it, it doesn't look Right or whatever, but it seems like for most most people, we have yet to develop that kind of intuition or, around these highly technical, specialized issues. And so, I think that's part of our our learning that you guys are trying to get to. right? It's, you know what is it the trigger? Just out of curiosity, though. So since you you get to see the um, you know the ground truth around victims. I mean, do most victims uh, was there some point during the process where their intuition triggered something didn't seem quite right, and after the fact, it, it makes okay, now I get it, or is it, they really are just pulled into this?
1: So it depends on the scam. Long-term scams that is less likely to occur, so a romance scam that goes on for months, we have heard of victims that find out what's going on, they know they are being scammed, and they still want to continue that relationship because they're invested in it already. Scams that last... A couple hours to a couple of days so there are a lot of scams where it's your utility company calling and i say that in quotes or law enforcement calling and you have to buy a gift card to get them to not do something to you those scams can be drug on for a couple of days but a lot of those victims do indeed talk about the fact that they had a moment of saying this can't be right and something's wrong here the really quick scams, where it's a charity scam and you're trying to support someone for a disaster or something, that moment usually comes after the scam because it's over in a couple of minutes.
2: That's very insightful, right? So it's sort of either quick, uh, and you know you you so the the sort of middle case that you describe, right? There's a bit of time, but not lots of time. Where there's that moment of intuition, you know something doesn't feel right, and that's where you want to have educated this sort of bring life to that intuition that says maybe I better hang up, you know, and and call back or ask someone else. And I think that's that's a, a great uh, observation about what's going on. Sean I had a question for you now. So so absolutely, I mean, this has become part of the noise of our lives, right? Dealing with this, and and one of the worries is. Um, you know, if something happens too often, you you stop seeing it. It just becomes something that we do, and we might not recognize something that's bigger, more more important to worry about because of the level of noise. And so, any Sean, from your perspective now, so yeah, you know, we we obviously we you've got the cycle down, you know, uh, very solidly. What what would lead you to think there's something bigger going on, something more dramatic or riskier that would uh, that would sort of t- hit your intuition one notch up beyond the the routine?
0: Sure, yeah, it'd be either a change in tactic um, that, you know, we've seen. and But there's also the, um, you know, the, the fact that we keep seeing it, that we get to an underlying bias of ignoring it in some cases, and that we don't take it as seriously as we should. Um, in some cases, we also see that um, there may be another fallacy, and I'll put this, this is the technology control fallacy, is that if it got to my mailbox, it must be good. And so I have no problem in clicking. And it's like, oh my, please, you know, tactics, techniques change over time. Please do not rely on a technical control outside of your own intuition. And, you know, people just allow that to occur. And it's, you know, I see it, uh, you know, they report back in terms of what they've done on personal email accounts and things. And it's, um, and so that's a trend I'm starting to now see is, they think that there's elements of technology control that means that everything is good. And it, it takes away from the fact that you should use your own logical approach, as it were, to understand, you know, is do um, what am I seeing? Is this make sense for me today in the position that I'm in? And in some cases it doesn't. You know, if, we, if I took back and I peeled back some of those layers and said, let's just sit down and have a conversation. I'm gonna ask you this personally. I need your telephone number because I need these, uh, you know, I need the gift cards. Uh, I'll just use that one, Stacy, because I'm starting to see a lot of that. Give me, can you give me some gift cards? Because, uh, you know, I really need them from you. Can, can you do that now? And they'll look at me and be like, what do you, t-? no, of course I'm not going to do. I think, isn't the email the exact same thing that was required? Oh, yeah. Um, you're absolutely right. But I thought it was done in a way that, you know, the communication was tailored that this is a, you know, I know exactly who this is and any request that they would provide to me is legitimate. And I said, well, am I not legitimate? I'm sat right in front of you. <laughs> I'm asking you. And it just, you know, you kind of, I want to add a, and this is another element, Tony, and, and please is, uh, just, I want you to bear with me on this one is to add a touch of humor to it. I think it settles in a better lesson than me coming into a room and going, I cannot believe you did, you know, it gets to that victim blaming thing again. I can't believe you did this. Think about this. If I asked you personally for, or if I set up a scene and do it that way, it it gets along. I think they understand it a little bit better in terms of, um, yeah, I've got to contextualize the message versus reliance upon a control. Stacey, have you seen things of that nature in your time?
1: Yeah. Um, Although I'm sitting here thinking right at the moment that I'm really glad I'm still not at CIS because I would totally fall for this. (laughs) (laughs) You've got a lot sneakier. Thank you. (laughs) We're starting to see a shift in cybersecurity that it's not punishing people doesn't work. It's like anybody, you've got to make it fun, you've got to make it interesting, you have to give them a reason to want to learn, to want to do something, to understand. So the way you say it, I phrase it as if somebody showed up at your door, rang the doorbell and asked the same question, what would you do? You know, I'm a law enforcement officer and I'm standing here asking you to pay me gift cards so I don't arrest you how do you respond if you're seeing that person literally in front of you your response ought to be about the same if that person calls you or texts you or emails you or whatever else because it's the same type of thing you can't trust everything you read on the internet is a famous quote from abraham lincoln <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah sean i love your point on sort of uh, i'll call it techno authority or something, right? You know, this, this thing I don't understand, it appears in my inbox, and so it gets a weight beyond the human that we, w- weight that we'd assign to a, a personal interaction, you know, as Stacy described. And I think there's, again, that's that's not, that's not people making a knowing risk decision, right? That's pe- people being kind of overwhelmed by it or, or assuming, making assumptions that are beyond, you know, the ability of the technology to actually deliver. And I, th- I think that's you know part of humanizing this and putting it into context and and thinking about this. Does it make sense that a law enforcement officer would ask me for gift cards? To a, wait a minute, you know. But it, you have to get people to that point where they can trigger that that bit of logic there, right? And and that's you you're not going to get them to understand the complexity of mail filtering and you know the, all the things, and that's okay. We you know that's why we we pay specialists to do that. Uh, but also helping people understand. Uh, perfection is not within reach of, of, of security technology by the way it's not in the reach in within the reach of safety technology either or physical safety but we somehow survive as a social creatures
1: <laughs> so i always to that point i always say it's like your car i do i could not rebuild an engine i cannot do that um i would have probably struggled to change my flat the other night might have been able to do it but i would have struggled But I know that when I get in a car, I want a car that has airbags to it. I get in and I put my seatbelt on because I know it keeps me safer. I do things like stop at stop signs and use my turn signals. And all of those things are things that help me be safer online because I've been trained to do them. Cyber is much the same way. We don't have to understand email filtering rules. What we need to understand is a set of very simple, basic hygiene, stop and think things through type rules that apply to everything in our life. And they apply to cyber, too. It doesn't have to be scary cyber.
2: Right. And, you know, in your car, car metaphor works pretty well too. I think. And you also, you have enough information to not choose a perfect auto mechanic, but choose a good one, right? They have to be certified, they have to have a reputation, they've got Yelp reviews or whatever your mechanisms are, which are a variety of uh, requirements you know, that is the, the certification by uh, the manufacturer that this person is qualified to work on this car, et cetera. But also the market can help you, right? The the experience of other people and so forth. So, so I think that's, you know, that's where we want to be in this cyber business, right? That something is, you know, a lot of this is embedded in the infrastructure, I'll say, of how we manage risk as opposed to helping people. So your goal is not to teach people to become t- techno experts it's to help them with the mechanisms of making good decisions, right? That, and to when should their intuition uh, trigger. So all those are, you know, are, are a, a big part of this. And so this this cycle of, you know, world events, you know, this has become part of the the backdrop of our lives, as, as we said. And so I, I think the, the really important work, you know, is both continue to work on these technical problems and uh, but also work on the human part of this. Any, any other things you care to share with us? Uh, you know, Stacy, around so so you get to see real victims, right? And talk about some of the things that you're doing to help people. So, where who do they call in the middle of the night when it's raining and they need to change a tire? What what are the the things that you've been putting in place at CSN?
1: So, a lot of what we do is take advantage of the resources you already have in your life. Stop and talk to somebody else when you see something. Talk to your Um, spouse, your child, your neighbor. Chances are you know somebody who's got some cybersecurity skills, understands the internet. Notice I'm not giving out my personal phone number here but a lot of people I know call me. So feel free to call or text those people and talk through it. One of the other things is know where your resources are before it happens. So like I knew once I slowed down to think about it, that I could call AAA and they would help. And that's what they're there for. So there are a ton of resources out there on the internet, even places you can call to talk to a live person who will help you. So know who they are, know where they are, so you have that resource handy, just kind of like we all have the poison control number next to our phone, or at least we used to.
2: If you have a fixed phone.
1: <laughs> Details. <laughs> yeah, any, any,
2: <laughs> any other advice uh, from your end, Sean? So again, you, you get to see this both as security practitioner, but also as a CISO for a modern computing enterprise.
0: No, I think Stacy said it perfectly. And I think I would add, um, it's the stop and think. You know, those actions require some due diligence. And, you know, not every email is uh, as simple as it may seem. And so, just I think it's taking the time, but then to Stacy's point is uh, you know reaching out to individuals who can help, right? I've you know I've got a problem, I just don't understand uh, what am I seeing here, and, and you know I try and provide that internally at CIS as as a resource, but we have uh, you know a uh, plenty of cyber talent obviously within CIS's walls that can really help us, you know, talk about some of the more advanced things as well, Tony. So that's where we get to, uh, you know, helping the community as well. Cause we talk about things internally. I talk with you, I talk with many other people and we can then promote that um, through Stacy, and the Cybercrime Support Network and others uh, to really try and reach the masses, as it were, because we, you know, in a lot of cases, the three of us here have a number of years of uh, background in this space, and we want to be able to share that. And Stacey, I just, I do want to also represent that the fact you are an adjunct professor as well, providing the next generation support in this space. And I think that's incredibly important uh, as well as part of this.
1: I have to say that is probably something that I absolutely love. It is truly a passion of mine and I can't tell you how many students over the years have during class come to me and said somebody just sent me this email or even after classes ended six months later called me up and said can you talk me through this. So it is one of those things and I know the students whether they're in my class or other classes are walking out the door with the skills to help other people look through this, think through it, slow it down. So slowly we're getting to a point where everybody is going to have that basic level of knowledge.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I think
2: that's great. And my my experience is is like the both of you. That is the overwhelming majority, and again, in my experience, of, of security professionals in this space are thrilled to be asked for their help. You know they're willing to give their time. I mean that's what makes the CIS business model even possible, right? Volunteerism. The willingness to to spend time to teach others to participate in in the community level projects and so forth. And the flip side of that is I think helping people get over this victim blaming and shaming. You know, that is don't be afraid to ask. You know, this this hits it's security professionals too, right? Falling for the right email as, as Sean will cleverly craft and <laughs> try to catch me next time. Uh, and and so it's not a shame to speak up to ask that question. You know, I, I said uh, like the very late nineties, things started to change in the DoD when really, really senior military officers started to get more, I'll say mature about it, right? Hey, if this happened to me, it could happen to other people. I need to tell other people. And that you know, once sort of senior leadership saw that and then made that part of the message, you know, it's not just about me falling for this because the NSA red team did this, it's because this could happen to anybody and therefore we need to treat this as an enterprise issue at you know, the, the scale of a DOD. And so it was getting over the, the, oh my gosh, we couldn't possibly tell anybody that, you know, the test revealed we could be had. And you know, what m- my experience is when you do that, you actually cripple the defense, but you don't actually hurt the bad guys. Right, they know what to do. They're already informed. They they've got done the reconnaissance. They know what we how we act and all that. As we, you know, as we talked about the calendar of uh, of events, so so getting getting the, both the the improvement by people who want to help, but also the how how do people uh, how do, how can we help them encourage them to to speak up and ask. Go ahead, Stacey.
1: That's really really important. One of the biggest problems we have is we don't know how big this category is because a lot of people don't report. We know it could be up to 80-85% of people aren't actually reporting what's happening to them and if we don't get reports we don't know how to warn people. Maybe you fell for it But we can use your experience to make sure that your neighbor doesn't fall for it. Or maybe you actually didn't fall for it, but the chance is your neighbor is going to fall for it. So your experience helps those in the profession tailor those defenses, get the word out about new variations, all the things that help make it safer for the general population.
2: No, great, great point. And again, I think, and I know you've, you guys have done a lot of work in, in making that reporting, you know, part of the landscape, right? Providing a safe place for people to go and not only to report, but also to seek help, right? To get the resources to deal with this issue afterwards. Because you know, again, from the experience of my, my son, who's a, a, a local police officer, they're overwhelmed by this kind of problem. And they most don't have the specialized training to, to really help people. Anyway, so, uh, you know, a wide ranging and wonderful discussion about all these issues, about scams and, you know, both the calendar of them, but just sort of the, the, the general landscape that we live in. Uh, Sean, any last thought from your, your point of view that you want to share with the audience?
0: No, I just uh, want to say thank you to Stacy for everything that you do in the Cybercrime, uh, Cybercrime Support Network. Phenomenal. And uh, so thank you. And again, great to speak with you again. Uh, miss our conversations, but You're doing such important work. It's uh, very proud of everything that you've done and what you're doing. So great, great work. Absolutely, you got two fanboys here for cheering for you guys at the Cybercrime (laughs) Support Network.
2: Any last thoughts for the audience, Stacey? We really appreciate your time here.
1: Thank you. So I have to say working at CIS, I learned a ton. So that's one of the things that lets me help people now. I'm gonna throw in a couple of recommendations as you get these scams watch for a bait and switch. So it sounds simple but if the scam starts with one thing and switches to another then that's a sign it actually is a scam. They think that they're not going to get a win with whatever they started with so they're switching tactics. The other thing is if they ask for gift cards and I hate to say this cryptocurrency I actually own it but if you don't own cryptocurrency and somebody's asking for it or they're asking you to pay with gift cards good chance that one's a scam too about one in four scams right now involve the use of gift cards so it's very common the third thing I would add is just Take that moment, slow down, and think through it. A lot of these scams, if you call back to the person that you think you're talking to, don't just call the utility company. If Kim says she's talking to you from your utility company, ask to speak to Kim by calling the phone number on your bill. Go through those known channels, and that's going to help you recognize anything that is the scam.
2: Yeah, good, good, concrete advice there, Stacy, and you know, pr- good intuition triggers. Uh, I love all those. So. so, so, we're going to wrap up uh, today's episode as always. Uh, you know, interesting discussion with an interesting person or persons. So, Stacy again, and to to echo Sean's comments, we really are big fans and appreciate the. The work that you guys do in our partnership, our ongoing partnership with Cybercrime Support Network and other lots of the other great nonprofits also out there in cyberspace. So to the audience, thank you for your time and attention. We know there's a lot of distractions out there. Uh, by the way, uh, warning, I could see Sean's eyes lighting up when Stacy's talking. I think he's triggering new ideas for phishing <laughs> exercises. So uh, be on alert, all of those of you who have sneaky uh, security officers like we do here at CIS. I uh, hope you join us for our next episode. Uh, subscribe to us in all the usual places and we'll talk to you all next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the show today. If you are interested in learning more about how to grow your cybersecurity program, the free tools available to help you on your journey, or to get involved with the CIS volunteer community,
1: visit our website at cisecurity.org. Start secure and stay secure.